0: Welcome to Songs in the Kyiv, a podcast about songs. These might be old songs, new songs or middle-aged songs, anything that takes my fancy really. Sometimes these shows will be themed around an idea, a person, a genre or some other concept. Other times they will simply reflect my latest obsessions, my new favourite bands. Those songs I can't get out of my head. So, let's get on with it. This time round I have another guest on the show to pick some songs for me. Joe Maddox is the frontman of Continental Lovers, a band steeped in a love of glam, punk, and good old-fashioned rock and roll. Previous to that he's fronted the Derillos, the Breakdowns and the Rockets, and previous to that, he and I were studying A-level history at school together it was great to catch up with Joe. Not so great was the fact that either his or my Wi-Fi connection was a bit wobbly at times. I've managed to edit out most of the glitches, but some inevitably remain. Nevertheless, here for your edification, delight and general entertainment is Songs in the Key of Joe Maddox. so with me now is uh, joe maddox um joe is um part of the old school tie network me and him we went to the same school together uh and we've just been chatting previous to this recording about how we left in a, about 23 years ago which makes us very very old anyway uh joe is um a musician he was a musician at school which is how i i remember i remember him being a musician and you still are to this day so we're going to go through 10 songs uh, that uh, have been rattling through your brain of late and also talk about a bit about your uh, your musical life as well. So, um, yeah, like I said, Joe, I rem- I remember you being absolutely music obsessed. Ramones obsessed. I, I re- really remember at school and that hasn't really changed. I don't think <laughs> what 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 first got you into music?
1: Um, oh, thank, thank you for that. Yeah, and thanks for reminding me. It's been 23 years <laughs> since we left school. So, um, yeah, I often lie about my, my age. I got a different press age. Um, I was both. <laughs> both my parents were in a musical. Um, my yeah. parents didn't play any instruments, but they were they were kind of of the generation sort of late 60s, early 70s, they were very interested in music. So I kind of grew up listening to music and being exposed to music at a very young age. So yeah. I can remember you're know, listening to records before I even started school, three or four selected albums I, used, I wanted to listen to and being obsessed with different artists. And I remember being sort of four years old and I was obsessed with Donovan. So the folks in Donovan, for example, yeah. um, which is quite specific. So yeah, I, I was kind of lucky and privileged really. My parents really encouraged Myself to sort of go through the record collection, find what I liked, and uh, and they were always encouraging of me wanting to play music, and um, yeah, so yeah, so it's it quite a nice, pleasant start, really.
2: Hmm. So you
0: you were in a band at school, which I don't think I ever actually heard you playing in, but we were again just before we press record. You're talking about um, being in, was that was that your first experience of, of being in a band, or?
1: Yeah, I was in two bands at school. Um, I was in a band with um, uh, Alex and Chris and a guy called John Reese. I think you might remember. Um, we yeah. were in a, in a grunge band called The Four Noble Truths, which is a very cringy name. I didn't come up with it. Um, and then we then we changed. John left the band, and we we changed our name to Stiff Hippo, which is even, an even worse name. Um, and we it was just very basic, paint by numbers kind of grunge, really. And yeah. then on the side of that, myself. Chris, who was in the band, and, and another friend of ours, Dave, um, were, became quite obsessed with the Ramones. After watching the Ramones on VH1, they broadcast them, their Music Laden uh, concert from 1978 on VH1. Yeah. So that dates as well, watching VH1. Um, <laughs> and we became obsessed with them after that. And so we formed like a Ramones, not really a Ramones tribute band, but we we sort of tried to rip them off by writing songs that were like the Ramones, sort of like really simple um so were my first experience to play music. Um, but it didn't really last long because when I think when I was that age, you kind of you wanna do it, but you don't really want to put the work in to make it any good. So I think uh we you know, probably from those two bands at school, I probably played 10, 15 shows and then that was it. And then as soon as we finished school, I yeah. kind of wasn't in a band anymore. And uh. but and I think, you know, when you I think we I was playing at 15, 16, and to be honest, when you get to that 17, 18 and all of a sudden the pleasures of going out and things like that are probably more important than rehearsing and playing your instruments so yeah that's what yeah.
2: happened
1: really for me just yeah. sort of i was re- i retired early and then came back a bit later on
0: so um how, how did the comeback work out what, what did what prompted that
1: i was at, when i was at university i went to nottingham right to university yeah. and one of the reasons i went to nottingham because was a, a fabled rock city nightclub oh yeah sort of go, yeah, I've been there. yeah rock city yeah yeah um it's not that exciting really is it once you get there but um, a big barn of a place I think you know, as I recall it is a barn of a place and it's sort of sticky quite sticky on the floor <laughs> so uh, so when I got to I ended up um in halls I didn't I, I wasn't very good at making friends at university I just you know I was a bit lazy and a bit kind of shy I suppose but I ended up sharing halls with a guy who he was a bassist and and I brought a guitar with me to university. I'd only just started learning to play guitar, and it was about 18, 19. So I bought an electric guitar with me, and we kind of knocked around for about two or three years without ever formally playing together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and yeah. then there was a band in there was a band in Nottingham who were quite established called the Rockets, who were like, uh, you know, in the early 2000s, There was bands like the Strokes and the Hives and stuff like that. That kind of scene. yeah, yeah. They were a bit like that, really. So they they put an advert on the Rock City website looking for a singer. And I'd never sung in a band before, but I kind of kidded my way into an audition for them. Yeah. And I got the gig. So um, I, I accepted the gig on the proviso that my housemate Adam played bass and I got with their bass player, which was a bit mean, but it worked. And then I ended up in that band for a couple of years. Um, and then that band evolved into the band that I spent most of my musical career in, which is a band called The Breakdown. So we, yeah. we sort of changed personnel a bit. But myself, my, my friend Adam, housemate Adam, and a, now one of my best friends, a guy called Matt, he was in this band, The Rockets, we formed The Breakdowns and we kind of, we had a good, we sort of around about 10, 12 years and had a reasonably successful career actually, in particular on the continent, mainly in Spain, um, making, yeah. you know, it's like a power
2: pop sort of music really. <laughs>
1: career for up until about three four years ago when we, we jacked it in so uh yeah. So yeah i really had a period from about 18 to twenty twenty one where when i didn't play any music at all and yeah. then since then i've never stopped so yeah and uh, even though i've threatened too many times i've not quite <laughs> stopped
0: and so um your uh, current band is the continental lovers um so how, d- how did that come about um
1: well, I was in a band called The Dorellas very briefly for about two years. Again, I was a hired gun uh, on that band singing for them. Yeah. And I was dishonorably discharged from that band. Right. Um, and so after that, I lockdown kind of happened. And, I, and I'd written lots of songs and recorded lots of songs on my own. And and I just wanted to release them. So Continental Lovers, everything that's out so far for Continental Lovers is really just me. Um, right. and, and a friend of mine playing some bass guitar as well. A guy called Steve is a wonderful musician. Um, So that came about just purely because I had loads of songs that I wanted to get out. Um, And now over probably the last six months or so, it started to become an actual band. It's not just a solo project. Yeah. So kind of similar to what I've always done. It's very Ramones influenced. Yeah. Like New York kind of punk sort of stuff. Yeah. I've never evolved as a musician, to be honest. I still
0: play the same <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So uh, I think your description on Facebook is uh, for fans of Cheap Trick, the Stooges, New York Dolls, the Buzzcocks and the Ramones. Um, Basically a list
1: of my favourite bands, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. and um, Pretty much, yeah. Four chords. So that's one chord more than the Ramones you've you got on your description. Yeah. For <laughs>
1: I've worked it out, and actually, as one of my songs has got seven chords in, so I'm seven doing myself chords. a disservice. But yeah, I think four chords. <laughs> that I, is jazz. I, I, know I found the seventh chord. I think it's, I think it's, a, I think it's in F sharp minor as well, which is even fri- more frightening. So yeah, it's just basic rock and roll stuff, really. Um, yeah. Which is kind of, it's the music I like. I like writing short songs. Um, it, it, for me, music is about the hook and the melody, and I think like some of the songs that I picked on, on your you know, for this podcast today. The reason I picked them is it's because you know, it's this. There's there's a great hook to them, and that's what I like writing. I've yeah.
0: yeah,
1: has been really good at writing melodies and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I'm never going to be in Pink Floyd or one of those kind of bands or <laughs> early Genesis, but I, I'm I'm reasonably good at writing something that sounds like you've already heard it before.
0: Yeah, 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 brilliant. Let's uh let's start off then with uh song uh, number one, which is uh, "Like a Woman Should" by Haley Haley Mary. Uh, yeah. so she's an Australian singer I gather I I haven't she, heard of her um, tell me more about Lady uh, uh, Mary
1: well I can't tell you much about her because I actually only heard this song about two weeks ago yeah um, my my girlfriend was watching a, a document, not documentary, like a, a series on Netflix I wasn't watching, I wasn't paying attention to and then she obviously liked this was on the soundtrack, she really liked it so she, she was listening to it on Spotify and I heard it and I kind of um, yeah I thought it was really good I, I like um, the thing I really love about this song is um, I'm, re- I'm recording an album at the moment, so the thing I love about this song, I, was, I became really obsessed with the drum sound on it, Yeah, which is quite a geeky thing to say about a song. So before <laughs> I kind of got into the hook of the song, or even listened to the lyrics, I kind of thought, oh, I love how those drums are produced. And it's kind of the drum sound of it on it is very kind of like sparse and... Um, yeah, it's just really neat. I, I think it's a it's a wicked song. It's got a great hook. I don't know very little about her at all. She was in a band called The Jezebels, I think. They were right. quite a successful band in Australia. But other than that, that you probably know as much as I do.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's yes, yeah, so sort of a quite a regret tinged old school pop rock track. Well, old school pop rock track pretty much covers everything we're about to hear, I think. But um Oh probably yeah, it's yeah. quite yeah. profound quite profound lyrically, uh, I I thought. Um yeah. Uh, Well,
1: I think I think think it face value it is, and then I don't know whether it is. I don't know because my whole thought of the song was it was about having freedom and being able to do the things you 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 should be able to do in society. Yeah, yeah. And then I kind of sort of read a bit more into it, and there's a line about "I'll be coming home to you," and it's almost like, well, I wish that wasn't in it. Really, I wish it was. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the rest, you know yeah you the, the rest of it suggests, oh, like, w- there there are certain things women can't do because of what ha- might happen to them. And then at the right of the end, it just turns into a bit of yeah. a, a sloppy love song <laughs> in that one line.
1: <laughs> I get the impression that that might have been a compromise. That might that, that sort of hook on it, that little line might have been a compromise. I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. Maybe the whole intention was always for it to be a love song. Yeah, But, but the whole kind of ethos of the song says to me, like, you know like we've just said it's about doing the things that everyone in society should have the right to do but sometimes yeah. unfortunately because of the way things are sometimes it doesn't feel safe for, for, for women to, to go out on their own and be you know be the person yeah. they want to be so you know could write a whole essay on this song it's probably if we spoke to Hayley she might say it's just a love song but yeah who knows
0: <laughs> okay well well, let's, uh, let's let everyone else make their mind up and we'll hear a, a bit of a snippet of it
3: Caught in the crossfire, caught in the fish and wine.
0: song you picked is uh hello angels by boys wonder so this is uh taking us back to the 80s i think uh sort of classic punk sound from from back then what what's what's going on there for you what what made you choose this one
1: well this is an interesting one for me because um i'm i'm making an album at the moment um which has mainly been me doing most of it on my own um yeah But I recently departed um, with the guitar player in my band. I I, I got rid of him, which sounds (laughs) awful. But um, the Boys Wonder, uh, I think they were kind of, they were sort of going to be the next big thing by by, by what I've read about them. And they were sort of like a fashion band, like pre kind of, like a proto punk sort of thing, kind of pre Britpop sort of kind of sound in a way. Um, The reason I picked the song, first of all, I think it's a great song, wonderful song, it's a great hook. But um, the guitarist in the band is a guy called Graham Jones or Jonesy, and he's playing guitar on my on my record, so he's playing he's, he's playing some some lead guitar for me.
0: Yeah,
1: he was also in Haircut One Hundred. He was a guitarist from Haircut One Hundred. All right, as well. So so that's so that's an interesting link. And the way I, I met Jonesy was um, a few years ago. I went to an Airbnb in Cornwall, and mm-hmm. him and his partner owned the vintage caravan I was staying in, and right. um, we kind of got talking because we both played Les Paul Juniors, both played the same guitar, and he can he's got a studio in his house and just nonchalantly walking past and there was a picture of him on the front cover of smash hits in the frame and like gold record and things like wow this is cool and so we've just kept in touch since but interestingly he's really into this this boy's wonder that's kind of his big project more so than the stuff that was perhaps more commercially successful but i think um i'll ask you what do you think of this song when you heard it because i'm, I'm guessing you probably wouldn't have heard it before
0: no I, I didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. The things I've wrote down my my little notes was yeah, searing classic punk sound, savage sneering lyrics, and guitars to match. I really like the is it is it the chorus, the lyric, uh, the quickest way to heaven is to borrow someone else's wings.
1: Yeah, that's cool, isn't it? I like that.
0: Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. Did
1: you Did you manage to have a look? Did you manage to have a look at how or sort of their visuals as well? This band, I think one of the, yeah, the I think is what they looked like.
0: Yeah, I think it was. Um, it was a YouTube video of them performing it. Yeah. 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 It was good. Yeah.
1: It's, yeah. I think they're kind of I think the two brothers who were who were probably the songwriters in the band. They went on to form the band Cordroy. I don't know if you've ever heard of Cordroy. Sort it's of ringing like a a, jazzy kind of sort of ring yeah. a vague bell. Yeah. Yeah. I think they've had a pretty long career, but the guys in the two of the brothers, I can't remember their name. I don't know much about them really, apart from the work I've done with Jones it is is they yeah, they formed Cordroy, but um, I think they were um one of those bands that they were signed to Sire Records in America, they were signed to a big label in the UK. They were kind of one of these bands that nearly made it, you know what I mean, were like yeah. nearly, really big. And I think Blur, Blur of sight of them is quite a big influence, actually. So they've obviously got a bit of credibility out there. But um yeah, yeah it's a cool song, great chorus, lots of energy. Um it's quite British, I think, as well. I think yeah. it's quite a British sounding yeah. record.
3: And, it is. and everybody says that it's better than this Things will get better So I'm the best of this life I even don't wait for the day The quickest way yeah. i ever Uh-oh. Is to borrow someone else's wing Hello, uh, angels Hello,
2: uh, angels yeah. It's good to Hello, uh, Angels. Hello, uh, angel.
0: So after Boys Wonder and Hello Angels, uh, the next one you've picked, number three, is Shocking Blue and their song Send Me a Postcard, which is uh, one of those songs I forgot I knew. Um, so it of thrashes around with loads of energy. Um, and I I, I picked up for the first time this really gorgeous noodling bass line on the guitar uh, bass guitar. That's what I uh, that's what I got from it. What did you get from it?
1: I got exactly the same thing. The reason I picked this song, it's probably probably the most listened to song for me in the last twelve months. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason being is that it's one of those songs that I probably heard many many years ago. Um, And then it just came up on Spotify as a recommendation, you know, and I heard it and I thought, I'm just going to learn how to play this song. I really want to learn how to play it. And so it was born out of that, really. And so much so that actually it's a song that I'm going to do with my band. Brilliant. And it has got an amazing noodling noodling bass line. And I'll be honest, I managed to learn the first four bars of the bass line before I gave up. It was too difficult. (laughs) Luckily... Debbie, the bass player in Continental Lovers, is a wonderful, amazing bassist, and she's kind of got it nailed. So, um, yeah, Yeah. it's um, it's a cracking song. I think the singer's got an amazing voice. Obviously, the Venus as well, which was their big hit. Um, It's kind of it's like um, I mean, like they're almost like a European sort of Jefferson Airplane sort of yeah, yeah. Um, So there's a bit of you know that's their ducks there's a bit of a you know that cool kind of transatlantic accent going on with the vocals lyrics are nice and simple and um i just think it's quite it's almost quite confrontational the the, the song i just it kind of hammers you a little bit yeah um yeah it's it's, i I generally think it's probably one of my favorite songs i don't know it's just one of those songs it's kind of hooked me and i just think it's got a lot of energy and I was surprised when I when I because I thought I'm going to cover this. No one will ever cover this song, and then I found it's been covered loads and loads of times. So um,
2: yeah,
1: it, it most most interestingly, it's been covered by an American punk band called the Mr T Experience. Don't know if you've ever heard of them. <laughs> and and um, I think I want to have a well, they're basically a Ramones <laughs> ripoff band, so I, I I know them. But it's also was covered weirdly by Pear Gessel from Roxette. Okay. Um, he was in a band before Roxette, who the, who only to stu- a Swedish language band, and he, he covered it in Swedish. And it's, I mean, I don't speak Swedish, so uh, it, it sounds quite different. But uh, yeah, it's, it's actually covered a lot. Um yeah. So um so yeah, it's a it's a it's a cool piece of music. And um, I, I you know the singer, I've forgotten the singer's name now, but she she died of a, a brain hemorrhage a few years ago, and she you know not particularly old or anything, so it's quite a, yeah. quite a sad story really. Um, yeah but yeah I'm glad glad it was a song you'd already heard and forgotten about Um, yeah
0: well thanks for reminding me and um,
1: well only only if it was a good memory if it was a song you
0: hated it's it's, it's a good memory it's a good memory so uh, let's remind everyone else uh, with a bit of Send Me a Postcard by Shocking Blue And the next one you've chosen is uh the one by lemon twigs um so what what, what made you what, what made you pick this one
1: well i think um their album last year is probably my favorite album uh, this I, um bought. songs for the general um, public yeah 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 it's i mean i i think they're i'm so i'm so angry that they're so young and talented. <laughs> I just think that's one of the things that gets me because they're like in their early twenties, very early twenties, and they, I think they've been, you know, they've been knocking about since they were in the mid late teens. Yeah. I just think this song is like, it's got everything I like in a song. It's got, it's got brilliant hook, brilliant vocal harmonies. It's quite melancholic. In, in, in the in the sort of in the, the lyrics are quite melancholic. The video, I don't know if you've seen the video for it. I think it's a, fan, a sort of fascinating piece of film footage. of them then driving around, mm. um, sort of a, no, I presume it's like a Minneapolis or, or one of those kind of northeastern American towns in the snow. They look yeah. great. Um, it's almost like um, I'm. This is maybe a bit embarrassing. I'm quite a big Todd Rundgren fan, and I okay. think there's quite a lot of Todd Rundgren about their sound. And they, I just think they've got something that, you know. I think this should be huge, and you know, I'm yeah. going to keep promoting, pushing them. I, just, I think it's a, it's one of those sort of songs. As a songwriter, I think like, oh, I wish I'd written that. Yeah, I, yeah. I wish I, I, you know, but I never can. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on it? What, what, you know, what, what did you think? Of, I mean, I'm sure you know them anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh,
0: not that well, uh, I have to admit. Um, okay. Yeah. So it, it's um, no. Uh, again, I, I went for the lyrics first. No one can give you what you want. You'll, you love someone when their heart is hurting, but they could never be the one. So there's this sort of there's this sort of endless cycle of being in love, being out of love, being in love, being out mm. of love. <laughs> and it yeah, sort of, sort of sort of. I felt it started off as as like a, a sweet and innocent sort of love song kind of thing, and then it's like mm. the the realizing that it could all go wrong or has gone wrong, and uh, yeah, that that cycle. But yeah. All dipped in a sort of 70s rock aesthetic with um, the electric light orchestra sort of strings all over the place. That's what Yeah, what, what I'd, um, I'd picked out musically, yeah, those, those, those strings.
1: I think that's quite a fair assessment actually. I think the lyrics for me are quite interesting because you're right. Again, on the face of it, it's probably it seems like quite a sweet love song, but actually I think kind of what the lyrics are saying is like you accept you'll accept love from anybody. Even if it isn't the one you really want to be with, yeah. Because we're, we're almost hardwired to, that we need to feel like we're we in love. Need some sort of affection.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, which is kind of like it's a nice take on a love song, I think that. And um, I just think that it's 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 probably I don't know if, you, if you've had a chance to listen to anything else by them, but it, it's not typical of them actually. Right. It's kind of, this is very commercial. A lot of their stuff is very kind of quite out there and a little bit quite quirky Um, and this is pretty they've obviously gone for a mainstream kind of this is going to be the single and fair play to them um, because I think it's a great great record great song
0: one super chunk and me and you and jackie Mitu or me too you were going to explain joe a bit more right. about the title uh, so this is released uh 2013 from the i hate music album um but sounds much much older very very nostalgic sort of sound so uh tell me everything you know about this song and super chunk
1: okay well this is going to be a theme here i don't know a lot about Superchunk really
2: <laughs> um,
1: I was talking to um, a former school colleague of ours, uh, Chris, who, who I've been very good friends with for years and he yeah. was telling you how much you've listened to Super Chunk and so I thought I'd heard the name before I hadn't really listened to them and I, I sort of this was a song of theirs that I really liked and it's for many reasons one because it's under two minutes and I think good pop song if you can get a good pop song in under two minutes you win in Yeah. Um, it's again it's got a great hook it's interesting that you said it sounds much much older it, it does doesn't it it sort of sounds yeah. something from like yeah, sort of mid 90s early mid 90s Yeah, I
0: yeah. think
1: um, almost like a sort of soul asylum or that kind of feel to it a little bit yeah. um and lyrically it's basically about a band how boring going on tour is i think really about yeah. you know spending time in the van jackie matu is a is a canadian jazz organist ah, so i okay. think what they're saying is they're in the you know they're going on tour in the van and they li- that's what they're listening to and i yeah. just think the lyrics are, you know the lyrics are pretty straightforward once you get once you get past that bit of it um mm. and i think it's you know it's a good hook um I think you've got to be quite bold, eh, to release an album called I Hate Music, but then also to have a song when the first line of it is I Hate Music. Um, yeah. is it, I Hate Music? What is it worth? It can't bring anyone back to this earth, which is quite, you know, quite almost quite profound in a kind of Neanderthal way. But, <laughs> yeah. um, it yeah. kind of resonates with me because... I've always, when I've been interviewed about songs I've written or stuff I've released, and often people, people often always want to know what the song's about. And honestly, for me, when I write songs, I'm not saying it's the same for super chunk. I say let's not live really about anything. You know, yeah. I don't really write songs about real life. I try and write almost almost about the mundane, how mundane things are. And I kind of think this is what this song's about. It's sort of like, you know, everyday mundane things and reminding ourselves that music is just music. That's what it is. It's there to give us a bit of escapism, but it's not really going to yeah. change our lives significantly. Maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a sort of resentment that it can't make everything all right after all.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
0: we've got uh Bruce Springsteen and uh Crush on You um which is the sound of a strut in musical form i think um what, what, what why did you choose of all the Bruce Springsteen songs you could have chosen of all the other songs in the world you could have chosen why this one
1: i think you well i think you've hit on it a little bit there um it's a kind of a feel good song um i'm an unashamedly huge Bruce Springsteen fan yeah um and i think that he is He's often much maligned by people who don't understand what he's about because yeah. I think he's a very, very talented, very considerate songwriter and, and he, his back catalogue is, is astounding. Yeah. Crush on You, yeah. I picked because it's not a song that even Bruce would probably pick as one of his top songs, I don't yeah. think, but it's yeah. almost a bit of escapism. It's kind of like a, it's like a Friday Night Out song. Um, yeah. And I, I was listening, um, it's off the River album and I was listening to that Quite a lot recently, again, because I'm recording and like, if you want to aim high, listen to like the river or something like that and try and get some inspiration. Just cool, just a good bit of fun, a good bit of party. And I think the the thing I always think about with Bruce, I was on about just now how I don't write songs about anything. I think Bruce does. I think he generally writes about what his life has been like in the past and he's, you know, he's he's very aware of his roots. And I just think Mm -hmm. he's such an interesting cat because, you know, he's incredibly famous. I think I, I once read he's the 17th biggest grossing artist of all time right so that's pretty high made a lot of yeah. money but I, he's still very he still appears to be very grounded you know he's like he, he still kind of drives himself around he still does his own thing he still can be kind of like blend into the background a lot and i think i always admire that about him because yeah he just seems like a good good guy um and this mm. song is just fun you know it's uh you know i'm not yeah. saying it's definitely not one of my favorite bruce springsteen songs but again <laughs> it's been something that's sort of listened to quite a lot i was going to pick a, um I don't know how much you know about Bruce Springsteen or whether you're a fan at all. You might say you hate him. But I was <laughs> going to pick a song called Jackson Cage, actually. That was the other one I was going to choose. And Jackson Cage is a bit more of a, you know, the lyrics are a bit more kind of typical, desperate sort of times. And he almost writes yeah. about um, depression quite a lot, I think, and, and trying to escape um, yeah. the doldrums of day to day life. Um, yeah. So if I would have picked another one, I would have picked that. But I picked Crush on You because I thought I'll just go for set and skip fun. <laughs>
0: So after Bruce Springsteen, um, this is this is as I said at the beginning. This is the band that I remember uh, you you loving, and you've already mentioned them quite a bit already. The Ramones and Indian giver. What is it about the Ramones, especially, that is attractive to you? Why why did they really stand out as opposed to I don't know any other band, New York Dolls, well, Sex Pistols, um, uh, I don't know who. <laughs>
1: I think for me, there's, there's, a, there's a pivotal moment in my life because I've grown up listening to music from a young age. I probably really hadn't heard the Ramones until I was maybe 12, 13. And the thing that really stood out for me is when I saw them play, a video of them playing live, I kind of thought, my God, I could probably do this. Yeah. I could see that they, you know, weren't the most proficient musicians perhaps, but they had so much energy. Yeah. And they, you know, stripped, take away what people might think about them if you've not heard them i think they just genuinely like really good pop songs really good hooks um songs that that kind of bring out a lot of emotion for me um they're just and, and also they've got quite a very bittersweet story i think the thing about, i love about the ramones is, is kind of they would truly like a gang i suppose in, in a very dysfunctional family and, and you know there's it didn't always get on in fact the two of them really didn't like each other um
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they're one of those one of those bands um that all their original members are no longer with us and i think that's i find that quite sad really because yeah they split up in 1996 so about the time i was really really intimate they, they finished and one of the reasons why they finished was because johnny ramon the guitarist didn't want to continue as an old man whereas right. every other band has and joey was actually quite ill and eventually died succumbed to cancer a few years later but um since they've all departed, they're huge in their yeah. own way. They're, mm. they're they're a mainstream band. They they they've been on television adverts. They've been in films. That Ramones Corporation is worth millions and millions of dollars. And I think it's kind of bittersweet that they didn't have that success when they were alive. And I think it's yeah, you know, it's quite weird. But I think um, you mentioned the Pistols or the New York Dolls and stuff like that. Um, I love the New York Dolls. I'm not a huge Pistols fan actually. No. Really, <laughs> I, I I saw. Them, i saw them in 1996 I went to go and see them in 96 and it was a great experience um i saw them at a, uh, i saw them at a festival and um i think i'm right in saying this i went with i mentioned chris a few times chris and another friend of ours alex went to a festival and me and alex went to watch the pistols and i think chris went to go and see reef instead at the <laughs> same time so so i think we punished him for that for years it's like it might be the only chance you're ever going to get to see the sex puzzles. You could probably see Reef like, at the Guild Hall in Gloucester or something, you <laughs> won't go and see Reef, so um, <laughs> a bit, ma- bit mad. But, but um, I don't know what you would choose. I, I, I won't put you on the spot to ask, but I, I hope it wouldn't be Reef. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe.
0: I think, I think, yeah, I'd go and see... Um, yeah, I think I could see the pistols over Reef.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you would, wouldn't you? I, I, I think, interestingly... Uh, I went to a festival a couple of years after that, and uh, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant were headlining. Yeah. Um, and I went to go and see Page and Plant, and Chris went to go and see Spiritualized, which is, um, you know, two quite different bands. And actually, <laughs> I've ended up um, one of the guys in Spiritualized produced a lot of the records that I've made over the years, so it's quite an interesting yeah. link. But so you can give us a cover. Uh, if you didn't already know, it was originally by a, uh, a bubblegum band called the 1910 Fruit Gum Company. Um, right. And the reason I picked it, um, first of all, I love the Ramones. Secondly, um it's one of the first songs I ever learned to play on guitar, so it's very dear to my heart. And thirdly, yeah. I've got a gig on Saturday night in London, I'm gonna play it. I've never played it at a gig, but I've decided I'm gonna play it this Saturday. Brilliant. So it's kind of thought, you know, I'm very lazy, I've never bothered learning covers ever, really. I just can't be bothered. But right. I thought I'm just gonna pick a song that I just know how to play. And uh I rehearsed in London with the band last Saturday and we ran through it a couple of times and it sounded brilliant, so I thought Yeah, Engine Giver. I remember why I enjoy it now. It's just a silly dumb pop song (laughs) done by my favourite band, so I'm going to go for it.
0: So after the Ramones, we've got uh, Rod Stewart and "You Wear It Well," uh, sir, from 1972, I think. This um this song is obviously old; it's it's from 1972. But um, there, there's a lot of melancholy for an uh, and a, a nostalgic feeling here. Um, so there's there's more modern songs that you've picked that have a nostalgic feel, but even even here with it in an older song, there's still a nostalgic feeling is um is nostalgia something you you consciously gravitate towards
1: i think as a songwriter yeah um so if, a, a lot of reflective things um so yeah i think i look for, I, I look to it quite a lot um it's it, i'm not saying it was deliberate with this list but it seems to be that way doesn't it
0: <laughs> yeah 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 so um tell me more about uh, this this roy stewart song uh, you wear it well um, okay, so it's
1: obviously it's it's obviously a very well-known song. Um, yeah. And I grew up, my, my my late dad was a huge Rod Stewart fan, and a huge Faces fan. Um, yeah. And that, to be honest, growing up, I always thought Rod Stewart was quite naff. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, he's got was, that
0: sort of reputation, hasn't he, with the do you think I'm sexy sort of stuff that he yeah, did later on.
1: Wiggling his bum around and having a big flung there and things. But as I got older, um, I got into the Faces quite a lot. Yeah um but the small faces are one of my favorite bands actually so i'm surprised i didn't pick anything by the small faces but i got into the faces quite a bit and i read an amazing autobiography by ian mclagan maybe 15 20 years ago and it's just the best book i've ever read it's called all the rage if you ever want to check it out it's a wonderful book about being in a band right um it's almost like almost like the bible for how to do it i think or how not to do it and so i started listening to some rod stewart stuff and i think his first like four solo albums are just like just outstanding. It's full of really well written songs, and despite the fact Rod can sometimes be a bit of you know bit naff, um, he genuinely could write some great <laughs> songs. And I think "You Wear It Well" is one of them. Great, it's a great, it's a great lyric. Surround himself by really good musicians, um, and I think um, it's one of those songs for me that makes me, reminds me of being even though I wasn't alive when this song comes out. It reminds me of being young and hearing it around the house when I was a kid. Um, And it's 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 a song I learned to play on the guitar years ago, Um, Mm. but I think I've tried singing it, and I find it really difficult to sing because um, Rod's quite a good singer actually (laughs) when he puts (laughs) his mind to it. Um, Yeah, just just love it. I kind of um, I I listen to quite a lot of Rod Stewart when I'm at home. um, Yeah, just because I think some of his early stuff is is um, you know he's just well crafted songs and um, yeah. This is probably yeah. one of my favourites.
0: Yeah, because he, I guess he, he, he sort of sound, He sounds like he's just, just, just singing it. It's fairly easy to. Him. But there's a, there's a sort of a straining to it, which yeah. I, I guess sort of betrays whatever the emotion is he's trying to convey. But yeah, I can, I can imagine it. It is probably quite difficult to, to replicate. Yeah, um, yeah. So, is there a mandolin in there at the beginning?
1: There is a mandolin in there, and I think there's um. Is there a mandolin? No, Maggie May's got a mandolin. Um, there might be a mandolin. There's a, there's a, a similar knows. sort
0: of aesthetic to
1: uh,
0: Maggie yeah. May in, in at the yeah. beginning, yeah. And yeah, just this um, sort of memory about buying buying his girlfriend a a gown. Make me feel a millionaire as you wear it, wear it well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean it's quite cheesy actually <laughs> when, you just, when, you, when you select individual lines. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, but, I but think, the way um, he
0: sings it, there's there's a poignancy in it and it lifts it above what, what the the lines are, which I guess, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. So it, it wouldn't really pass muster as poetry, but somehow it really does work as a song. No, it,
1: I, I mean, yeah, I think that's, let's be honest, I don't think Rod would think it's, you know, <laughs> I think he's, yeah, I mean, Rod's, Rod, I think Rod's idol is Bob Dylan, um, and yeah. I don't think he, he, he'd ever think he's anywhere near Bob Dylan in terms yeah. of lyrical genius. Um, yeah. But uh, it's it's a cool record, and I think, you know, it's hard to kind of um, r- convey how huge Rod Stewart was during this period as well. He's absolutely massive in, in on, yeah. on the continent and here, sold yeah. so many records. I read something recently, um, the Manics' last album got to number one in the UK charts, and I think it sold 23,000 copies in yeah. his first week of release to get to number one. I think Rod was selling, you know, five times that and didn't get in the top 10 (laughs) sometimes. 23,000
0: copies gets you a number one.
1: It does. And, uh, you know, have a read about it if you're interested because there's lots of, um, Manics did lots of, you wouldn't think this of them, but they did a lot of dirty tricks to get to number one. They basically gave site they gave away signed copies of their CD through their website for five ninety nine and stuff like that. They counted towards chart sales and, and you yeah. know, amazing deals with albums and T-shirts for a tenner. And I think they were really just trying to get a number one. <laughs> I read that the, their last number one album sold 80,000 copies in the first week, and I can't remember which one that was, but a good 15 years ago. So, that you know, the charts yeah. are very different now, I suppose, aren't they? Yeah. It's not a slight on the manics, by the way. It's just a comparison. of how things yeah, have changed. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Really. Yeah, yeah. Right enough of the manix although I do quite like them um and let's uh, listen to a bit of uh, Rod Stewart So your next song uh, is uh, Raining Sound and their cover of The Beach Boys Waiting for the Day. So um, wh- why, why did you pick this one? This is uh, obviously a cover. Uh, do you, is, How's this rate compared to the original, do you reckon?
1: Um, I absolutely love Pet Sounds and um, probably the closest I've got to a religious experience was seeing Brian Wilson live do Pet Sounds. Um, oh, wow. W- w- with an good. orchestra it, it was amazing yeah and he was, you know because he basically didn't do a lot really he he sat at a piano he held a bass guitar for a bit and basically conducts everyone around him because he you know he's he, he can't really sing in the way he used to
2: um, yeah
1: so the reason i picked this cover of it first of all i love raining sound i think they're a great band um yeah and um i love the arrangement of this song because because mm. they've taken it and almost made it like a sort of a honky-tonk sort of arrangement yeah i think it kind of works um i mean you know it is a waiting for the day the original song is a, is a it's a masterful lyric written by someone who was so young at the time as well it's just a, a, yeah. another one of those things that you know I, I wouldn't It's you know i i would say brian wilson is one is, is one of the most genius the Rangers and songwriters of all time so uh maybe i yeah. should have picked the original but i thought it let's be <laughs> odd and pick something that's a different take on it really but it's, i think it works i think uh, yeah you know it's cool
0: it actually this version the raining sound version actually sounds sounds sadder, more melancholic more more yeah. in keeping with the nature of the lyrics than the uh, quite bouncy poppy original i felt um so th- th- there's there's that kind of the, the, the cover trumps the original in that respect for me at least um the lead singer what's his name uh, i did note it down his name is uh, greg cartwright it just yeah, sounds greg like cartwright. he's he, it just sounds like he's on the verge of tears uh, so this is vulnerable croakiness about his voice uh which which i thought was really beautiful and again noodling guitars uh which and I, the note i put down was they they sound these noodling guitar solos that sound that like it could only come from south of america um yes yeah, so yeah, I, 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 I loved it yeah beautiful oh, cool.
1: so beautiful cover oh I'm, I'm pleased you like it I, i'm i'm i love raining sounds um greg clark was in a band called the compulsive gamblers before them he was right. also an amazing band um check them out if you've not already um you is it interesting you said about like this song's almost kind of more melancholic than the original because i think pet sounds is one of those oh. albums where a lot of the songs are so bouncy and happy sounding, but the lyrics are sort of so desperate. It's like something yeah. on a virtual breakdown. And I think that's what makes Pet Sound such a wonderful record. Yeah, because, I do I, I
0: lo- usually love that sort of contradiction between happy sound, miserable lyric. But,
1: yeah,
0: um, yeah. Never anyway, keep going.
1: So that, that that was kind of my point. Really, it was exactly that happy sound, <laughs> miserable lyric. Um, yeah. Um, again I think you know if I if I did this list again, um perhaps I would put the original on there. Um yeah. but again I mean the other song that I could have thought of is um Frank Black did a cover of um I Know There's an Answer or Hang Hang On to Your Ego did the original. Yeah. If you've ever heard that before, that's worth checking out. That's a great take on a wonderful song as well. Yeah. So um yeah. maybe it's just ripe for um covering pet sounds, I don't know. I came around
0: Finally, your, your your last choice is uh, Joan Jet and the French song. So uh, the notes I've got here: throbbing riffs, uh, Joan, Joan Jet's simultaneously raucous and restrained delivery, which is which is quite an achievement. I think she she, she manages it quite well to sort of <laughs> juggle her way between um, raucousness and restraint. Um, what, what, why did you choose it?
1: Um, Because Joan Jett's one of my heroes and I'm a a huge, huge Joan Jett fan. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, probably you you challenged me to pick 10 songs I'm listening to at the moment. It's not one of my favourite Joan Jett songs. But I think probably what you have just said is what I like about it, because she can sound so sort of tender and, and needy sometimes, but then also be very kind of in control. And yeah. what she wants and demanding so I like that about this mm. record in particular and I'm a sucker for lyrics in a different language sometimes as well just bits and yeah. pieces like that so um yeah. so yeah it's really cool I think Joan is a Joan is a, is a true trailblazer in what she's achieved in her career had to overcome a lot of barriers uh, in music and um is has is been a, is a huge inspiration to me um so much so that on my, my new record, there's a song that's on there called St. Joan, which is right. the lyrics that the lyrics are completely made up of references to Joan Jett. So oh, her great. song, t- her, basically it's a song made up of her song titles. Yeah. Um, and I have just got it back from the studio today and listened to it. And it sounds great. So I thought, why don't I put some Joan in there? And um, for me, um, I've played with lots of great bands over the years and I've been lucky enough to play in many different countries and big stages but I think if I got to support Joan Jett, that would be the highlight of my career. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Maybe one day.
2: Absolutely,
0: yeah. So that was uh, Joan Jett and the French song, uh, as is traditional. Uh, when I'm interviewing a musician or a singer or a songwriter, um, I usually end these episodes with a song of their own uh, composition, that, that their own creation. So, Joe, you have chosen, what have you chosen? What, what choice chosen
1: a song you called, made? Chosen a song called Tattered Star.
0: Tattered Star. And uh, right. to tell us a bit about Tattered Star. What, what, where did it come from? How did it come into being?
1: Okay, so I wrote it in about six minutes whilst I was working from home last year during lockdown. So yeah. um, I had a guitar. That doesn't make it sound good at all, does it? <laughs> um, so, so, like, uh, during my day job, I have a day job. So I was working from home and I, I always had a guitar next to me. So, um, I was listening to a guy called David Ryder Prangley who was in a band called Rachel Stamp. I don't know whether you ever remember Rachel Stamp, like a glammy sort of indie band. And he had a really good album, uh, like a Gothic kind of album called Black Magic and True Love. And there was a song on there that I loved. Um, and I thought, I'd love to rip that off. Um, <laughs> so I, I massively unsuccessfully didn't because the Tata Star sounds nothing like the original song I had in mind. Um, but I wanted to, I like writing songs that are really short. So, um, Musically, it's kind of like a lot of my songs—quite punky, quite energetic. But I also think it's quite sort of a glammy sort of sound. Lyrically, um, it's it can be interpreted in a few ways. Lyrically, it's about could be about um, somebody perhaps in a, in a band who's past their best and flogging the dead horse and still doing it when they perhaps shouldn't be. Yeah. Or it could be about me. Um, it depends uh, how people interpret it. Um, and I did, a vi- I did a video for it um, end of last year that I recorded at home where I, I kind of um, record on a Super 8 camera um, yeah. with Paul Stanley Kiss makeup on. Um, and it, it, it did really well. The video did really well. And it's it got played yeah. by um, Rodney Bingenheimer and things like that in America. Um, yeah, I just, think, yeah it's just it's just two minutes. I love writing songs that are two minutes. And it's got some quite sort of dark sort of catty lyrics in it which i don't normally do my lyrics are usually kind of quite upbeat i suppose but the lyrics to this song are a bit sort of uh, a bit more nasty i suppose so yeah um but yeah i like it it's cool okay it's it's quite popular with with people who like what i do so that's good
0: brilliant okay so you've you've got a gig coming up soon
1: this uh... yeah i've got um I've got a gig on Saturday at a place called the Sam Ritz Club in in Soho in London. It's quite a famous '80s club. Um, yeah, so I'm playing playing there, and then a couple of weeks later, I'm playing Fiddler's Elbow in London as well on the 4th right. of December. Um, and these yeah. are only the second and third gigs I've done as Continental Lovers. Um, yeah, and then and then it'll be a case of album comes out March next year, and then um some dates in Spain and Europe, hopefully, if that which we're working out at the moment. So um right. one thing lock, one thing lockdown has made me think about is pairing back the number of shows I play actually and, and play a lot less because um to be honest I'm a bit too old to be <laughs> to be I, I like I like being I don't like being away from home too much. I like quite I like being in my creature comfort. So yeah. So we a ready. couple more gigs this year. Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah early <laughs> nights for me these days <laughs> brilliant
0: okay well thanks very much joe it's been an absolute pleasure Thank having you. you on let's uh yeah. let's close by listening to a bit of uh, tattered the
3: of Makeup on your face is true.
0: So there you have it, 10 songs in the key of Joe Maddox. I hope you enjoyed them. I definitely did. It was great to catch up with Joe after 23 rather long years. I'll be back sooner or later with something or other else. Christmas is fast approaching, so there's bound to be something festive happening on this podcast shortly. Stay tuned for more details. In the meantime, have a marvellous few days and nights till we meet again.